My name is James Rowlands, and in 2015, I started a WNR podcast with my friend, Dan White. And every month, we bring you the latest collections, newest content, 205 Live, and the crown jewel of the WNR NXT update. Also, each month, the latest pay-per-views, and we are live, not only for the big four, but every takeover as well. Plus, in 2019, we go back 20 years and witness the attitude rise and the WCW's demise. Until we've watched everything, we're with you and we we are the WNR. Ho, 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 and welcome to the WNR Christmas Cottage. Dan's got the dinner on, there's presents to unwrap, and of course, the fifth annual W&R Awards, but as he's busy cooking, before we do anything, let's do the Ultra Intro, intro. and of course, here's a Chris song, and Elton John will be doing it most of the year, now we're going to continue, and welcome to my Christmas song, I'd like to thank you for the year, so I'm sending you this Christmas card to say it's nice to have you here, I'd like to sing about all the things your eyes and mind can see, so hop aboard the turntable, oh, Step into Christmas with me. Step into Christmas, let's join together. We can watch the snow fall forever and ever. Eat, drink and be merry. Come along with me. Step into the emissions free. As you know, probably not my most well-known Christmas song, but still, I tried my best, and that's all we can ask for on this Christmas. So, yes, hello, I'm James Rowlands. As always, I'm joined by... Dan White, who's finally free from the kitchen. You are free and you're back here. Dan, are you excited for Christmas? Back in the cottage, the fire's on. It's lovely, isn't I it? I am, yes. It's this Christmas. You know, we've got the snow-capped mountains out the window. We've got the tree up, all the lights, all the decorations. It is a wonderful time of year. It is the most wonderful time of year, of course. Our fifth annual Christmas special with the WNR Awards as well coming later but before we do anything let's start and have a look at last year awards because you know we, we do this every year like we say and were we right or happy about our picks now first off dan can you remember any of our WNR awards from last year um i can't know i mean we've done so much wrestling for this past year but you know i'm gonna i'm gonna try and remember who we've done and yes. who we've uh you know, because there were so many different awards as well. Well, we have got, I think there's at least 21 awards to dish out. At least 25 awards. Uh, so we get started, and last year, our entrance of the year, mine was Oscar from WrestleMania. Mine was Nakamura, also from WrestleMania. Yeah, so very similar there with our picks. I think that was a kind of right choice. Our comeback of the year, what was our comeback there? Well, both of our comebacks was Daniel Bryan returning from me, stepping back into a WWE ring after everyone pretty much thought he would never return. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a, that was a great pick, if we should say. Our better off last year, mine was the Revival. And, of course, we're not doing that great now either. Well, mine was Banks and Bailey, And I, I think they're doing better this year than they was last year. Well, Bailey, of course, the SmackDown Women's Champion. Uh, Johnny Gagano War for most punishment taken in a match. Mine was an, at War Games. I think uh, he suffered, you know, six or seven different injuries with that internal bleeding. Of course, one of the, the toughest ones. Well, mine goes to its namer and the bloke who caused him that pain and punishment, and that is Champa and Gagano for their fruit feud throughout the year. I mean, it was just absolutely brutal, and the matches they had was absolutely top rate. Yeah, really, really horrific stuff there in that feud. Underrated. Mine was Kalisto. 
Mine was Anderson. You could have underrated to this point. I mean, Kalisto's not been featured a lot, as he? Whereas Anderson's had uh, a little bit of pieces. Our one to watch? Well, my one to watch was Velveteen Dream, and he still is one to watch as well, because he's, you know, he's he's been out injured for a little while, so, you know, he's been on the sidelines, but he's still charismatic, and yeah. he's still, you know, very worth watching. Yeah, and he had a bit of success, didn't he, uh, the past year. My one to watch was Lars Sullivan, and, of course, he was brought up with quite a lot of hoo-ha onto the main roster until problems with mental health, and then, of course, an injury as well, which has kept him out. But I think Lars Sullivan, once he comes back this year, uh, next year even, will kind of have a, a big impact, so that would be one to watch as well. Um, on next to the internet darling of the year, mine was Seth Rollins. God, that's changed in a year, hasn't it? <laughs> it has, yes, indeed. Uh, my, mine was Finn Balor. And I think with Finn Balor there, you know, he still is very popular on the internet as well. And I'm rightly so. <coughs> Manager of the year, I went Leo Rush. Uh, of course, he was with Bobby Lashley this time last year. So, you know, he he, he did well to get that award. Of course, uh, Cruiserweight champion slash X. Yes, um, mine was the Singh brothers. I mean, you know, just their antics outside the ring. You know, the former Bollywood boys was at the side of Jinder Mahal. And, you know, the punishment they took, especially from Randy Orton, when he flipped him upside down onto the announce table. And you could even see the look on Orton's face. He was like, yeah. out of it. Dan's favourite award, the RKO of the year. Mine was Mysterio sliding out of the ring into an RKO. He had done that move repeatedly since his return. And um, you you had hated it, didn't you? I hated it, and quite rightly got hit with the RKO. Um, mine was on Rude at Fast Lane, and correct me if I'm wrong, James, but this was a match that we was absolutely because it was one of my favourites or my favourite against one of your favourites or probably your fav- most favourite at the time. Yes, without doubt, you know. And <clears throat> was it for? Orton to win the US title off of your man, Bobby yes, Roode? Yes, it was. I mean, it's hard to believe that was nearly two years ago now, but um, I, obviously you would have picked that. My move of the year was the Tyler Bate clothesline off the rope. That is such a fucking cool move. My move was Ricochet in the War Games match. I mean, he just flew off the top of the cage and wiped out the whole lot of wrestlers below him. Yeah, there was not many things that Ricochet can't do. Now for the year last year, I think stick at you, Marvo Ronaldo slash Rene Young. Of course, Rene Young now is going to be taken away from the commentary and being put into kind of backstage roles. Yes, and uh, mine was Nigel McGuinness and, of course, Rene Young as well because, you know, she'd kind of made the jump to doing commentary and she was killing it on there. Yeah, my referee last year, before everybody jumped on the bandwagon, I was actually a big fan. Even though they made such a big deal of her leaving NXT for SmackDown, she deserves it. She was the best referee by a country mile last year. Absolutely, yes. And mine, young Ric Flair, Charles in charge, Robinson. Mini nature. Eh? Uh, most hated, mine was, of course, Mojo Who Rawley. And mine was a toss-up between Cole, Adam Cole Baby, and Mike Kinellis. Holy shit good was uh, Oscar for me winning the TLC match against Becky Lynch and Charlotte. Um, mine was Titus World Slide during the Greatest <laughs> Royal Rumble. And even the announcers couldn't keep it together because he just tripped on the mat and his whole body went under the ring. And it is one of the funniest moments I've ever seen in wrestling. Yeah, of the decade is one of the funniest moments. Uh, holy shit bad the crown jewel event. And I'll tell you what, the Saudi Arabian events haven't got much better as uh, the year progressed. Um, mine was Romain uh, announcing that his cancer had come back because, you know, he came out with a stern look on his face. You know, my name is Joe. 
And, you know, and it was a really sombre, serious yeah. moment. Yeah, thanks for bringing us down on the Christmas special. No, our tweet, uh, my tweet of the year was, well, both of ours actually was yeah. Lynch just being the man on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, she was absolutely killing it. It was when her popularity was at the highest and, yeah, she was just smashing it. Um, most overrated, James? I stand by my decision of Finn Balor. He's still overrated. When's the last great match he had? Yeah. Exactly. And mine was Basler. Yeah, I mean, that's not right because Basler's definitely proven her worth. Even though we hate her, she we can't deny the fact that she can put good matches like she did at War Games as well. So, Absolutely. Um, our tag team, it, again, it's another joint effort between us both. And I went for Lorkin. James, who did you go for? I went for Danny Birch. And together, <laughs> we were lucky to get the one-two and get the tag team of the year. I wonder if there'll be many with our new uh, awards this year that will go the same. Well, I guess we'll find out in a little bit. Um, it's a relatively new award for the WNR podcast, and that is the WNR Hall of Fame. There's only two inductees into it so far. Yep. Mine was one of the greatest announcers ever, Mean Gene Oakland. Yeah. Abbott's penis. Uh, <laughs> what? When you say it like that, it doesn't well, seem know, like a big deal. I've put someone who deserves it and you just put a man's penis <laughs> oh, in Oh, come there. on. I was more impressed with that in 2018 than I was anything else. Come on now. Uh, and, of course, we'll have two new entrants into the WNR Hall of Fame later on this episode. Um, and now on to probably the more serious awards or, you know, the the more meaningful awards. Um, the originals, the OGs, the OG awards, yeah. awards, and again we've we couldn't split our decisions, and we both went in match for Chompa versus Gagano at NXT Takeover New Orleans. Yeah, without doubt, that was a match of the year candidate, uh, and then we had most improved, and mine was Ronda Rousey. Yes, uh, mine was Daniel Bryan. I mean, you know, he spent a long time out with injury and you kind of thought he would have come back with a bit of ring rust a bit of apprehension because you know of how serious his injury was it was something that we thought had career threatening but you know he, he, he just shook it off basically yeah and uh, it's good to see him back now my men's wrestler of the year well both our wrestlers of the year was none other than Pete Dunn, who had put in a stellar 2018 and, and had remained undefeated in it as well as an UK champion um, women's and again it's one that we couldn't be split on it was the man Becky Lynch I mean fair play to her for being a woman of the year came out and you know had that moment uh, just before Survivor Series and kind of made her mark and our pay for the year mine was a pay for that we didn't have in 2019 and I hope we do have in 2020 and that was the women's evolution pay-per-view uh, which for me was a phenomenal bit of history looking back on it it was yeah it was a, a monumental pay-per-view my was war games i mean you know everyone just went to war at war games yeah they did so that is our last year awards and like i say you know to look back on them i, I think most of them are pretty spot on i mean there's a couple of them Lars sullivan and velvety dreamers they both had an injury they would definitely be in be- better positions than they are obviously at the Absolutely, moment yeah um, as for, you know, uh, Kalisto and Anderson have uh, underrated. I'm not really sure about that <laughs> anymore. Uh, but, you know, I think looking at 18 awards were success, but I've no doubt 2019 awards are going to be even better as we get onto them a little bit. Of course, we're going to add one more category, but we'll get onto that 
later on. But now, Dan, it's Christmas Day. You've done the cooking. You've been cooking away for at least 12 hours. At least 14 hours. I mean, you've been, you've been giving me some nice stuffing you gave me earlier, though, Dan. I, got I admit. did, yes. And uh, I, I, I wouldn't take you for someone who's not a fan of breast. No. You, know, I, you, you preferred the sausages. I did. I, you know, I never thought you could wrap bacon around your sausage like that. And for me, it, it was delicious. It took a lot of bacon. It was really. I've never seen that much bacon <laughs> in a frying pan. Honestly, I was shocked by that. Uh, but like I say, so we've been good boys this year. And of course, we woke up in the cottage together because we're cottaging, of course. Uh, yes, and Santa, he had a full sack for us oh, both. God, he unloaded his sack underneath our tree. Uh, and I mean, this is just, you know, it is, it's bountiful. So I think we should uh, open up our, our presents now. We've got big bags and I've got James. And <laughs> yes, Dave. I've you got, got the biggest bag. Yeah, you've actually got quite a big bag. So as you can hear, there's actually a bag full of presents. Dan, you have been the best part of the WNR. You deserve it. And mine says James. So it's <laughs> <laughs> quite interesting that both of us said it. All right, so there's, I mean, there's a few presents in here for each of us. I'm going to grab open my first one and then we just talk about what we got. Okay. Obviously. Do one at a time. All right, so first, so we, I have no idea because I put stuff on my list but I can't remember. Did he check it twice? I think he did. Did he find out if he's been naughty? <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, wow. So the first thing we've got is quite a cool little thing. It's the Top Trumps. It's WWE Quiz. So we've got, I guess, hang on. Let me, oh, wait a minute. The cards. It's almost like someone pre We've got cards from the presents, and there's certain wrestlers. Uh, go on, Dan. Pick a wrestler quickly. I've got all these wrestlers in my hand. Um, well, it's got to be Randy Orton. Randy Orton. Okay. Maybe I should have got the Randy Orton ready at the start, but still. Let me just find Randy Orton. Is he Raw or SmackDown? Um, yeah, depends when it was done. Well, there's two sets. Of, there's Raw, there's SmackDown, and there's NXTs. So, wow. <laughs> wow. Miz, Baron Corbin. I mean, there's everybody. I wonder if there's a Mojo Rawley one actually here as well. Maybe that will be. Is that the one you ripped up and thrown away? Okay, I can't find Randy Orton, but there is someone I can find. What type of match did Alexa Bliss defeat Becky Lynch in to win her first SmackDown Women's Championship? Was it a chairs match? It was a tables match. Aww. Well, you got five to get right. You got five to get right. Um, who did Alexa Bliss manage in NXT? Um, that is Buddy Murphy, Blake and Murphy. Blake and Murphy is correct, yeah. Who did Alexa Bliss face at No Mercy 2016? Um, I'd say Bailey. Thanks. Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch. It's one of the four. One, one. Oh, no, you're not going. All right, so this is an easy one. What is Alexa Bliss's finishing move? Sparkle. Or it's the Twisted Bliss. Twisted Bliss, yes. Two for renamed. Two for two. So if you get this, you win Christmas. I'll win Alexa Bliss. What did Alexa Bliss spray paint on Becky Lynch's back after you returned from an injury? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, what? (laughs) What? (laughs) She drew a Uh, Did she she write Bliss? No, she drew a yellow line because she was a coward. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so that was SmackDown. I'll tell you what, because we're having so much fun here. There's there's a watch. Right, just pick out... All right, this is how confident I am. Pick out anybody. I don't care who. And then I'll try and answer them. All right, okay. Yeah, that's how confident I am. Enzo Amore <laughs> and Big Cass oh, no. made their Monday Night Raw debuts by confronting who? Monday Night Raw debuts... Monday Night Raw. Dudleys. <laughs> what does Big Cass spell out for his opponents? Big Cass spell out? 
you can't teach that, is it? Uh, well, no, no, S A W F T soft. What does Enzo Amore refer to himself as? A cunt. Uh, yes, <laughs> that is correct. Certified G. Who managed this tag team during their NXT run? Was it A, Bailey, B, Oscar, or C, Carmella? Is this the last question? Carmella. Enzo Amore has the gift of gab. What? The gift of gab and the gift of... Punches. Rhymes with gab. Oh, jab. Oh, you gave me that one last. Oh, That's man. a shame. Uh, oh, well, so top chunks of Santa. You knew he'd keep us busy. That's fun, then. So, I suppose... Oh, you never guess what I just found. I found Randy Orton. Found Randy, I right. literally found Randy Orton. Right, sorry. Right, sorry about that. You've come across Randy. I literally come across Randy Orton. Oh, this is so easy. Which WWE Hall of Fame is Randy Orton's father? Cowboy Bob Orton. What is Randy Orton's finishing move? What venomous snake does Randy Orton refer to himself Bye-bye. as... Who did Randy Orton defeat in the ladder match to unify the WWE Championship and WWE World Heavyweight John Cena. Champion. What paper was it? Yeah, stop you in the chat. No, it's not a question here, but... <laughs> it was TLC anyway. And finally, Randy Orton competed against Daniel Bryan and which superstar when he headlined WrestleMania 30? It was Batista. Five for five. Randy Orton. So there you go. Top trumps. So go on then, Dan. You um, open up a present then. All right. I've got a, I've got a big present. Oh, sorry. Uh, let's have a look. Oh, it is a Shinzuki fucking Nakamura figure. Oh, wow. And I hope that doesn't go the same way as the Dean Ambrose one you got me last year. <laughs> because Dean Ambrose left WWE and he's now John Moxley, so it's made it even more rare. Oh, wow. But if Nakamura leaves in the next 12 months... That'd be the curse please, to the figures. Please, get me a fucking Matt Riddle one. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think they make Matt Riddle fucking uh, wrestling figures. Right, let's see what else we've got in there then. Well, hang on a minute. Well, I've got a, I've got a weird shaped object as well in mine. <laughs> so you had Nakamura. I wonder who's Seven said... Owens. Oh, wait a minute. Drew <laughs> McIntyre. Drew <laughs> McIntyre. Well, should we unbox it? Everybody, it, it, mint in box at the moment. You uh, ready? Unbox is still, still fresh in box. Is he still fresh in box? In box, yeah. My McIntyre is no longer mint in box. Why have you drilled a hole in the backside of McIntyre? <laughs> Oh, what is yours? I mean, don't get me wrong. The Mattel figures are all right, but specific ones. If we go, I don't want to get too into toy. <laughs> don't want to get too into action figures. Yes, yes, boys. Yes, ladies. I like them as well. But the Macintyre. I mean, he's got sixteen points of articulation. Apparently, sixteen points. Yeah. So, I mean, you can. <laughs> <laughs> Why have you got him in the bent over position, James? I'm just saying. You know. So. Why have you taken off his trunks? Well, they was removable. I didn't think they're movable. Well, the knee pads removable. It might be. And he, look, look at this. The foot can move as well, see? So, oh. McIntyre. So, McIntyre, the collection, and it's probably the first action figure I've got in... Well, apart from I got your Ambrose one last year, didn't I? But it's been, it's been a little while. So, you're going to keep your Nakamura mint in box? Oh, I am. Oh, I am, fair yes. Fair fucking play, fair play. Well, you're up next then. So, we had a couple of action figures. Top chumps. The shape of a DVD case. So, it's the shape of a DVD. What is it? It is... Ring of Honor, Nigel Nigel McGuinness in it to win it. And he looks like a punk rock. So Nigel McGuinness in to win it. And, well, uh, Santa did text me. And he said a couple of presents that we have are based on stuff we will be looking at in the new year. One of them is the Nigel McGuinness superstar profile. What type of matches are on there, Dan? Oh, there's absolutely fucking loads. He's got matches against Samoa Joe, Christopher Daniels, Kevin Steen, who's Kevin Owens, um, El Generico, who... Uh, is against Jerry Lynn, Kenta, Austin Aries, um, 
fucking loads of different <laughs> matches. So the complete Ring of Honor Nigel McGuinness collection yeah. on DVD well. there. <laughs> Your turn, James. My turn now. Dan got a little bit waylaid by the uh, Nigel McGuinness DVD. Sorry, who? Nigel McGuinness. And of course, we'll be watching that for our superstar profile. But I've got a, a weird... I don't think it's DVD shaped, but I'm not sure what it is. And let me just have a look. And oh, wait a minute! It's a PS4 game, and what it's it? it's Fire Pro Wrestling. Wow! So Fire Pro Wrestling in Japan. Let me have a look at your new game. <laughs> yeah, you take your new game off me. NJPW. It's got Kenny Omega on it. Came out uh, last year on the uh, PS4 and other consoles available. But I can see why we got this. One, because, of course, NJPW, we're going to have a huge announcement on our NXT update one about New Japan Pro Wrestling. But on this one itself, there's some playable wrestlers, and the playable wrestlers include, like I said, Kenny Omega and Okada, but more, uh, I say better than that, Will Ospreay is a playable character. Whoa. Marty Skull is a playable character. Marty Marty, that's a girl's name. Zack Sabre Jr. is <laughs> So, in between having this game... And 2K2019, because uh, I didn't buy it, and I'm not buying 2K20. I refuse to buy any more WWE stuff, because you've got Tyler Bate on there, Pete Dunne, uh, Drew McIntyre is available there on as well. And then with these three, so the just only... So we just need packs. So we need an AEW game come out next year, basically. But that is Fire Pro, so I'll be putting it up on the PlayStation. And of course, you can download uh, all sorts of wrestlers as well. And it's really is fun. It's something unlike other wrestling games as well. So I'm really looking forward to putting it up on the PlayStation and, and giving that a game. Dan, what's the next one you've got? I've got a little one here. You've got a tiny little one in your hands. Package. Small package. One, two. No, he managed to kick it out. Ah. Uh. What could it be? It's a really well, Santa does try his best, I heard. It's not really working out. <laughs> what? Is this a piss tight? It's just fucking yeah, it's wrapping paper. All of it. Oh. Well, wait a minute. It what says on it, it is Oscar green mask ornament. Ornament for a green mask. Well, wait a minute, because on our tree, on the corner, we have, of course, got the Bobby Roode gingerbread man from last year, front and centre. Have we got another Christmas ornament Ornament to add to the tree? That is love. <laughs> it's only Oscar. It is Oscar with a mask on, but it's got a new green mist mask on. And if you excuse me, I'm just going to go and hang this up on the festive Christmas yeah, tree. Yeah, put it on the Christmas tree. I mean, we've got Bobby Roode, and like I say, he's front and centre on the Christmas tree. <laughs> yeah, I think they... So he's adding Oscar to the tree. Yeah, Oscar's got to go slightly above Bobby Roode. And we'll be adding to the tree as the years go by. It's quite chunky, isn't it? The weight of it is, is quite surprising considering for a Christmas tree ornament. But it is on there alongside Bobby Roode now. Uh, I've taken Bobby Roode off because he's he's been suspended <laughs> from the tree. he come back 30 days. <laughs> for violating the wellness policy. For well, the well, tree wellness policy, please come back. Uh, no, stay, stay on the tree, can't it, now? That's what it does on the Christmas cottage. All right, so I've got two presents left. Dan, I think you've got the same, two. same I number. I have two. And they feel a bit T-shirty. Now, I think we're going to, you know, hopefully Santa Claus has given us a couple of nice T-shirts to play with. We're going to decide which one. Which one do I want first? I want the other one. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's have a look at this. So, oh my God. Who is it, James? <laughs> well. Indulge me. <laughs> It's the Iconics! Oh, <laughs> Billy Kay and Peyton Royce! Billy Kay and Peyton Royce! The Iconics! 
And well, wow. that is just like us. We are an iconic duo. We are, we are. So, I mean, you've got two t-shirts. I mean, surely... Don't call me Shirley. One of them's got to be an iconic t-shirt well, to, to go together, hasn't it? I'm going to open this one. Mine is an Austin 316 <laughs> t-shirt. I've wanted this t-shirt for ages. And I've come close to buying it a few times. <laughs> so Dan has got... What he wanted, basically. I mean, the closest I've come to an Austin t-shirt is the actual t-shirt I'm wearing, which is one that you've got me previously. <laughs> yeah. And it's a WWE Legends when it's got hot rods, never an actual Austin Austin t-shirt. Yeah. Austin. It's, a, it's a proper Austin 316 top with got... Stone Cold. <laughs> is that the one that's it? No, it's not, because CM Punk wore the Stone Cold one, didn't it? Yeah. That is that the is first tough. official Austin 316. That is like the kind of... You know when people could talk about proper Austin 316 tops? That is the Austin 316 top there. All right, so I got the So my last one I'm going to open up now. Let's see what I got. Oh, and it's another iconic T-shirt. And speaking of your T-shirt, with you got a Stone Cold on it. You've also got a Hot Rod. If mine's Warrior or Big Daddy Cole, <laughs> I am going to flip the fuck out. Rowdy Roddy Piper, wow, a hot rod. And that's, talk about like Roddy Piper and Stone Cold, two kind of iconic wrestling t-shirts, along with the iconic tops there. But Rowdy Roddy Piper. Well, we get another iconic wrestling t-shirt. Or you might get a t-shirt you might have had before. I'm still not sure. The last one now. Yeah. Hey! I have got... Another, what did it say? Your move. Dan's juggling to open it. What is it, oh, Dan? I have nothing more than to open Miss Bliss. <laughs> we spoke about it just a minute ago. It is your moment of bliss. And Alexa Bliss on the back. And that is another t-shirt. Yeah, so Alexa Bliss. I know you're a huge fan of Bliss, but I know... Because Randy Orton tops, you know, Santa told me. So Randy Orton tops, Stan's got like, you know, at least half a dozen of them. Oh, I've got at least 12 Randy Orton tops. So I just want to build up your Alexa Bliss tops as well. Along with the Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh. I think that's Santa Claus did really well this year, you know. I'm really happy. But my Drew McIntyre figure looks like this <laughs> lush. Along with my Rowdy Roddy Pie from my Conics t-shirt. Of course, can't wait to put the PlayStation on for that. And we can play games with the trump cards as well. Absolutely, yeah. You know, with my Stone Cold and Alexa Bliss t-shirts, I'm... I'm actually undecided on which one to put on next. So, I'm just going to have to toss myself uh, a coin. Yes, toss it a coin. I'm going to put my Nakamura one up next to my Dean Ambrose. Not John Moxley, but Dean Ambrose figure. And that is going to take pride and place on my wall. And of course, the Nigel... Nigel McGuinness! DVD as well, and the Oscar face mask. Santa done well. Yeah, well, there's no doubt I'm buying that Nigel McGuinness DVD off you. And there's no doubt in my mind that uh, Christmas has been good for the presents now. Uh, so, before we get to the 2019 WNR Awards, let's just find out how each brand did this year, because this is a new award that we're going to add, and because we have so much competition, it's brand of the year. Basically, we're just going to list uh, five, five of them that we've got, and of course, we'll add to it as the kind of next year goes on. But first, we'll just talk about Raw. So, how Dan, if you want to take Raw, do you want me to take it? How do you think Raw did this year? Um, I'll let you take Raw. All right, so we talk about Raw. I mean, that is the red-headed stepchild now of WWE. What started off as kind of like the flagship show is now second place behind Friday Night SmackDown. And, of course, the three hours. Who watches Raw in its entirety anymore? There is few and few people, no. you know. They might watch clips. They might watch stuff like this. There is no doubt since the draft, Raw has got a really good roster that it's got potential for. But when we look about what it's done this year, it's not really delivered. Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar as Universal Champions 
company's not really worked for them that well. Their best thing has been Becky Lynch, and she's been splitting the time between SmackDown and Raw. It's been proven as well on Raw, the best-rated segments are the ones featuring Becky Lynch. <clears throat> so that's something they're going to look forward to. Is Kevin Owens the answer for Raw's thing? This year, Raw's not been great, and I think it would probably be the, the best, the least poor one, even with Paul Heyman in charge. With the Rusev and Lana story, uh, Lana storyline going on and other things like that, it's not really clicked this year, has it? You know, absolutely not. No, it has been disastrous throughout. I don't think it's kind of, it's been flitting and starting all over the place. You know, it's not had anything of any traction. And when they do get something good, they kind of either shoot it down or overrun it and just completely kill it. Yeah, I, I think without a doubt, and I think that's what we've seen with Raw. But what about Smack? How do you think SmackDown's done well, this year? Well, with SmackDown, I think. Um, you know, it had its very, 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 very brief run with Eric Bischoff uh, running the show. Uh, I think since it's moved to Fox, it's it's going to get better. I mean, you know, the calibre of champions has been a lot better. Daniel Bryan, the Planet Champ, Kofi Kingston with his, like, wrestle, uh, with his just lifetime moment. Mm. You know, not even anything to do with uh, the pay-per-views. You know, it was just an achievement for him. Um the storylines have been a lot better, especially with the emergence of The Fiend. Um, Brock Lesnar winning the uh, WWE Championship. No. You know, no. That is probably the worst part of it. Um, but, you know, I, I think on the whole, SmackDown has, uh, you know, certainly between Raw and SmackDown, it has had the better show. Yeah. What's worrying about SmackDown is that it's been a level of consistency for the past couple of years. And since it's moved to Fox... Uh, which we thought would be bigger for it. It's kind of the same thing, and maybe even less so than it has been with the storylines, you know, especially with the kind of Corbin and Reigns with the, with the dog feud as well. It's kind of not really worked out. But SmackDown, like I said, has done better than Raw this year. Uh, one that's done even better than that, I mean, K, we move on to that next, the Development League. Uh, I think NXT UK is in a, a bit of a, a strange position because when you talk about what they can deliver with takeovers events, they've had two takeovers and they've hit both out the park. The program, the hour-long program is entertaining, but it is the least on it. You know, apart from 205 Live, which you're not even featured anymore on this, NXT UK gets featured the least and it's only relevant two times a year. And when you've got people like Tyler Bate and Volta and Imperium as they are and people like Cassius Sono and Gallus and Aya Dragunov and Morgan Webster Flash. Morgan Webster Flash. And then you look at the women's division, which is probably one of the strongest divisions in the entire WWE. You know? Well, it's, it's so strong, they've kind of taken from it. Yeah. Exactly, they had to, didn't they? You know, you, you talk about people like Ray Ripley, who have made the move across now, Piper Niven, of course, uh, and, and Tony, Tony Storm. You know, NXT UK is in a great place, if given enough time and respect uh, that it needs, you know. Uh, but as compared to Raw SmackDown, it's not on the relevant levels it be. Uh, what about NXT? How do you think that's done this year? NXT, I think, you know, with um, it's not been its strongest year, uh, but I think it's still been strong, especially as far as storylines go. You kind of had... Um, Adam Cole kind of taking the show on his back, so to speak. You know, you've had uh, a few injuries, especially with Gagano and Chompa, and Adam Cole's kind of carried it. You know, as annoying as fuck as he is, even Matt Riddle, you know, he has relatively, not strong matches, but consistent matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, with the emergence of Keith Lee, who, especially over Survivor Series weekend, was the standout performer for both of us. I think, you know... Um, Things can only get bigger and better for him. Yeah. Uh, the, with the emer- you know, Pete Dunn, I know he's on a bit of a losing streak, but I, I still think it's something that he can overcome and kind of build on. When Dream comes back from injury, he's going to be fucking strong as anything. Uh, the women, 
you know, with Io Shirai, you've had her heel turn. You've had Candice LeRae kind of being her her like obstacle in her way. You've got Shayna Baszler, who, you know, hopefully sooner rather than later, she's defined as champion. Uh, Jasmine Duke and Marina Shafir, her two lackeys who weren't even good enough to make it into a team mm. at War Games. You know, it has been good. And the tag team division, I think that's the one that needs the most work on in NXT. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. But it's weird to think, you know, we're about... Uh, NXT as well. What's helped it and what didn't help um, SmackDown when it kind of moved to Fox is that when it's kind of went head to head with AEW and gone to Wednesdays, the program has become kind of must see now as well. And the stuff of the past couple of months has been a lot better than the stuff we saw in the previous amount of years. And that has a lot to do with uh, Undisputed Era as well, of course, involved in the storyline there and kind of basing it off. Uh, and then the last promotion that is up for nomination tonight is AEW. Now, I kind of... I love AEW at this moment in time, and I'm not saying Dan hates it, but we've kind of argued a lot over what's right and what's wrong. So if you if you talk about the kind of negatives for AEW, and then I'll try and sidetrack that with the kind of positives we've got from the promotion. Well, my first negative um, is the lack of pushing its women. Um, you know, it's they've kind of wanted to do something different, and... Uh, you know, Rossi and NXT UK, you know, no matter how things get, they always still feature their women quite predominantly and they're proud of them, but it seems like AEW are hiding them in the background. Um, you know, with what a combined time of five minutes on their last two-hour show. Yeah, but they they need to work for it, but I think they can build towards that. You know, you've got talent like Britt Baker and, of course, uh, B Priestley and, of course, Rio, who's come out of nowhere. We didn't even know who Rio was this time last year. Now she's fighting championship. They're building a program with Brandy Rose. There is time for developmental, but NXT's got the advantage because they've had a women's division put in place for the past three or four years. Whereas AEW just trying to build theirs now. And of course, maybe the male division, tag team division, will be a little bit stronger. But then AEW can kind of sort itself out after a little while. You know, if, we have an, if the women's division is not sorted out six months or a year's time, then there's a problem. I don't think right now okay. they're still trying to bed it in. You well, know, you know, say it's, it's still relatively new. Yeah. My next problem, the referees. The amount of fucking referee <laughs> blunders we have seen. And, you know, it is from seasoned veterans as well. Shirt Stealer Hebner is kind of like their ringleader. Um, um, that, shirt Aubrey, Aubrey Edwards. <laughs> I mean, yes. she, her face, facial expression I, just put no, you I off during the match. I couldn't disagree with you more with Aubrey Edwards. Uh, I think referees are ho- awful, yes. Ali as bad as WCW from, from 97 to 99 period? Not, no. No, well, there we go then. So you've got to look at the positive. All right, what's your next thing? But, the, you know, with the missing counts as well. Yeah, I know it's annoying, but... Um, AEW wanted to... They, they should focus on being AEW instead of being something comparing itself to WWE. I think they have got so much WWE in their brain with their former res, former WWE wrestlers, you know, uh, a lot of them have been through WWE at one point or another in their careers. And, you know, for something that wants to be different to WWE, how they can be so very similar to WWE is, you know, I think it's just try and be your own thing. Do you think they've made a mistake going with the Moxley-Jericho feud for the title? Do you think they should go somewhere different? Is it too WWE then? I think a lot of their feuds are too WWE. Um, You know, I know you can't really help that with them being former WWE wrestlers, but they're kind of doing what WCW done... In the past, you know, stockpiling talent that's been released or not had their contracts renewed in WWE. 
Yeah, I think that's the, the problem that we've, we've seen. And hopefully they don't sign all the kind of ex-WWE guys. Uh, but just using wisely, you know, Sean Spears has kind of not been used great since he's come across. And even MJF has, you know, kind of cooled down a little bit. But I think there's a lot of potential there. I think AEW, to, to come up uh, without any kind of experience and go head-to-head with NXT, uh, apart from maybe two or three less shows... It's all been good wrestling. And yeah, it might not be, a, you know, it is an alternative, but you want to kind of get different. I understand completely what you're saying as well. But I think for what he's doing, considering it's only like three or four months old, AEW's done a quite a good job this year, haven't they, you know? It hasn't done a bad job, you know. And again, for the first, what, six, seven weeks, they was creaming it in the rating. But now kind of NXT had a win and then, you know, they're kind of evening out where they've both got a similar amount of views as well. Um... You know, I, I just think that AEW heats over. It's like I've seen a, a multitude of pictures from people in AEW crowds. And, you know, it was during promos, matches and what have you. And the whole top is completely empty. Yeah, but WWE has the top section. Yeah, I'm not saying they don't. But, the, but it, it got long gone on the days where, you know, apart, apart, uh, apart from, you know, the kind of major pay-per-views, major, major pay-per-views, pay-per-views. WrestleMania's and stuff like this. When they go touring around, it's very difficult to get, you know, even 10,000 people in the arena, let alone, you know, whatever it is, 5,000 as well. I think we're struggling, and we talked about that on the British special as we did last week. Professional wrestling everywhere is struggling because people just haven't got the money to to go spend on these events as well. So especially when it's like, we talk about the promotions we've got, you know, WWE, NXT, NXT UK, uh, you know, Raw, SmackDown. And you throw in kind of Ring of Honor or anything else like that here. You need to find the events. You know, we were lucky when we went to see IPW because of the tickets, the way they were. Well, I, th- I thought it was worth it, but a lot of people haven't got that kind of income to kind of spend on it. So but if they do go to see one wrestling event a year, it has to be worthwhile. And that's what AEW needs to do. If, so, if people are going to watch it just once, they need to make sure they hit it out of the park. Uh, and, and I think that's the thing. I think there's potential. I think with Raw, I don't see it changing unless they get the kind of they knock it down to two hours again. It's just going to kill everybody. SmackDown is become child friendly at this point. NXT's doing well. NXT UK has the potential, and I think so is AEW. But we'll find out later who are well. Actually, that'll be our very first award on the Loving Our Awards. We'll promotion of the year. All right, so drum roll, please. <laughs> Here now are the WNR Awards. I want to do that again. The fifth annual WNR Awards are now. <laughs> it is now time for the WNR Awards. Yeah, so the fifth annual WNR Awards. And let's start. We've got lots of categories to go through. But we'll start off with promotion. So, Dan, what is your promotion of the year? Well, it's a promotion that we have closely watched and I thoroughly enjoy it. And every year we worry when wrestlers go up to Raw or SmackDown how the brand's going to cope and it always seems to knock it out of the park. And that is NXT. So your promotion of the year is NXT. My two promotion of the year is none other than NXT. And like you say, when you think... It can't deliver. Just look at the takeover events in themselves. And every single one has been absolutely top-notch. NXT, especially with the resurgence now, people like Keith Lee, it definitely deserves the promotion of the year. But shout-out to NXT UK and AEW. There's a lot of potential there, isn't there, for in years. All right, so up next, our next award is the Johnny Gagano Award for most punishment taken in a match. Of course, this was uh, first done 
after Johnny Gagano had faced uh, the Authors of Pain alongside Tommaso Ciampa. Not only lost that one in a horrific encounter, but then got destroyed himself by Tommaso Ciampa. So, Dan, this year, who does your award go to? Mine goes to John Moxley and Kenny Omega from AEW's Full Gear um, match that they had. It was... Uh, a brutal encounter between the two, and I think, you know, every piece of instrument that could get involved to hurt someone got involved in that Yeah, match. there's not many matches I watch with you where I can see you're visibly uncomfortable, and this was definitely one of those where it just kind of went a step too far, and I could see it in your face. Uh, don't get me wrong, the punishment they took in that match was, was horrible, but I don't think anything compared to my choice. And that is, of course, Mia Yim in the ladder match uh, to find out what team would go first in war games, uh, where she got fucked up, basically. Uh, not only getting busted wide open, but then falling through the ladder that was set up in between the barricade and the ring and injuring herself to a point where she couldn't wrestle at the war games in itself. That is the Johnny Gala Award for 2019 for Mia Yim. Absolutely, yeah, most uh, most deserved as well. You know, just the face getting busted open by that ladder was quite a sight. Um, our next award is Most Improved. So who's your Most Improved for this year, Dan? Mine was Keith Lee. Because when he first emerged onto the scene, I was very, very unsure about him. But his performance at War Games slash Survivor Series... I think, you know, it kind of pushed over the edge for me because, you know, I was, I was, he was growing on me and he's grown even more so much to the point where I think, yeah, fucking hell, he's, he's a brilliant performer. You know, lasted, he was in the last two at Survivor yeah. Series. Um, and, you know, that is, that is quite a good accomplishment, you know, only getting dethroned by Roman Reigns because Vince loves Reigns, damn it. Yeah, I mean, but like I said, you weren't a huge fan of Keith Lee when we first saw him and he's kind of grown on us, you know, and you as well to become that. And, I mean, he was definitely one of my choices. But I think mine for most improved this year is someone that I've actually had a go at in the past for not kind of being the best wrestler or kind of, you know, the the best uh, talker and all such. And that is Becky Lynch. She is my most improved this year. Uh, a couple of main reasons for this as well. Like we said, in, in matches, Becky Lynch sometimes maybe has to be carried a little bit more than other opponents, even though she's a good competitor. But I think this year she's kind of honed her craft a little bit more. Barring the WrestleMania main event aside, I think, you know, and even that, I think Lynch put in a good performance. The character work that she's given on the promos, there's no doubt she is the most popular character on Raw, and it just shows an improvement in her work where she can get given the main event for Survivor Series, the main event for TLC, whatever it is, and not be phased by it and say, okay, I'm going to take this on. And her work in the ring has been as good as any other woman this year. So I think that's why, especially when I've been so hard in the past, that's why she's my most improved this year. All right, so up next, holy shit. We've got two of them. So the holy shit good moment of the year, Dan. Um, mine was Becky Lynch in the Raw Rumble. It was, uh, you know, she had just lost her title early on in the night. Uh, and, she, you know, she made uh, a surprise. I'll say that in air quotes because I think it was a worse kept secret than fucking yeah. Buddy Murphy. I but... mean, I, even though you didn't go Lynch and I did, I mean, still no, no hard feelings about what happened at the Raw Rumble. But it still was a very good moment and it was a moment that, you know, made the fans stand up and whose injury was it? Um, uh, it's taken out. Oh, God, Lana. It was, was Lana. It was Lana. Yeah. Lana hurt her ankle, didn't she? She hurt her ankle in a pre-show yeah. and then that paid yeah. off. 
Yeah, so, you know, Becky Lynch coming out, taking her place and actually winning the Royal Rumble to get herself booked into WrestleMania was, uh, yeah, I thought it was a, a great moment. Yeah, no, I thought it was a great moment as well. I think there's two moments for me this year that's made me go, holy shit. The first one has got a bit of a turn of CM Punk. I mean, even though it's not official back in WWE, to just kind of have that relationship of him being in WWE backstage kind of does wonders for everybody. The Punk return will happen in WWE. We will wrestle one more match, it's guaranteed. When, we don't know, but this is the kind of start that we needed. My other holy shit good uh, was just The Fiend. And I know they've gone off The Fiend to begin uh, now. They've started to bring it back a little bit. But that first appearance at SummerSlam, where we weren't sure what we were going to get against Finn Balor, and we saw The Fiend in all his glory with a Bray Wyatt torch, for me that was a kind of holy shit of, we haven't seen a wrestler like this in so long, so much potential. Yeah, they kind of nearly blew it ahead in the cell. Trying to bring it back now. I think those are two moments. You look at the year, I was like, Punk fucking hell and The Fiend, that's good shit. Uh, talk about, that was good moments. What about our bad moments of the year? Um, mine is also the Rumble, and that is Nia Jax in the Rumble. I think that was, it was an absolute awful moment. You know, Nia Jax, again, I can't remember who she injured, probably R-Truth or someone like that, to come into the Men's Royal Rumble and try and do what Becky Lynch had done in the Women's Rumble early on in that night. And, you know, I just think, no, it was poor, very poor. It wasn't very poor. I think for me, I think my problem is I've kind of forgotten about what happened at the Rumble, if you know what I mean. And that's been so long ago. I even forgot that the moment I have picked was actually this year. But I've got a couple other moments. First up, Kofi Kingston losing the WWE title in seven seconds against Brock Lesnar. Should never have happened that way. Left a sour taste, I think, in everybody's mouth, including Kofi. But he's too much of a company man to say anything. Lesnar shouldn't in that number of seconds. Shane O'Mac, best in the world. This is something that WWE have forgotten about. But that was on our screens for the first, I think, nine months up until... Uh, no, October, until the SmackDown, uh, where Kevin Owens beat him in a ladder match. But Shane O'Mac is best in the world was... A terrible idea for everybody. But so, number two, my number one moment is a moment I nearly forgot happened this year. It is probably the worst match that I've seen in a very long time, especially with two guys that I liked. It is Goldberg versus The Undertaker from Crown Jewel. A, a clusterfuck. Everything was going fine until Goldberg knocked himself out in that ring post. And The Undertaker just hasn't got it anymore. Let's be fair. This was a moment to forget. And that is a holy shit bad. But don't get me wrong. Shana Mack and Kofi are two bad moments as well. <laughs> that was an awful fucking moment. I'd kind of erased that from my mind. Um, up next, it's, uh, it's the Comeback Award. And mine, for me, it's something that, again, it was... My holy shit bad moment last year, and it kind of leads into my comeback moment. My holy shit bad moment was Roman Reigns with his leukemia. My comeback was Roman Reigns coming out and going, I'm in remission, yo. You know, and that was an absolutely beautiful fucking moment for wrestling. I'd have to agree with you. To see Roman Reigns come back and, you know, he's destined for greatness in 2020. There's no doubt about it. And and all credit to him for, for taking that on. My comeback of the year, even though it's a guy who made a return the previous year, I still think this year's bit has been good for him. My comeback of the year has been Rey Mysterio. Now, the reason why for Rey Mysterio is that he came back last year and all he did was slide across the fucking ring. And this year, with his feud with Samoa Joe for the United States Championship, even though, yes, he had to give it up due to 
uh, injury. He's now relevant again after the Brock Lesnar feud, even though, you know, he didn't lose his quickest go for Kingston, did, but he lost at Survivor Series. United States champion again. Mysterio. Thanks well, thanks to your man, without a doubt, Rad Yorton. But the thing with Mysterio is that he's come back into relevance now. And whereas he came back last year, could have just been a legend to come back for a couple of matches, like an RVD, and be forgotten about, Mysterio now will have kind of a last run, which I think is deserved to someone of his cat. So that's why he's my comeback of the year. Uh, manager of the year, Dan. Um, you know, managers in right far and few between. And so, you know, there's only one choice and that is the voice of the beast incarnate his name is paul Heyman. you know he is he's absolutely brilliant on the mic you know for a manager that is probably one of the only qualities you need you know he's a sniveling backing off whiny bastard but you know when he's on the mic he's probably got a bigger set of balls than vinnie mac Right, I mean, Paul Heyman's been doing it for so long. Uh, but I'm going to give it to a guy who's only been doing it this past year. And I know I went Leo Rush last year, but I, I think this guy has kind of taken it like a duck to water. There's not many people who are good on the mic as him. And that is the voice of the... I'll say the voice of the voices, but it's Sami Zayn, who is, uh, for me, manager of the year. What he's done with Nakamura after Nakamura struggled. Nakamura, you know, winning the Rumble, coming up short against AJ Styles. Now he's in the kind of champion with Sami Zayn. Zayn is one of the most entertaining things during an Akamura match or during anything where you see his kind of reactions. Yes, he's a great in-ring talent, but he's getting Nakamura over by being so good on the microphone as well. Zayn can work face and heel as good as anybody as well. And as a manager, that's a great talent. A lot like uh, Paul Heyman. That's why Zayn's my manager of the year. Uh, speaking of people good on the mic, what about your announcer of the year, Dan? Announcer, mine is Nigel McGuinness. Um, you know, I didn't want to choose Corey Graves because he's an arsehole to his co-workers. Jerry the King Lawler, he's kind of passed it. I'm not a fan of Mauro Ronaldo. Really? But not to the point where I'd go on Twitter and announce that I'm not a fan of Mauro Ronaldo. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, so that only, only really kind of leaves Nigel McGuinness. Well, I think for me, it's been a pleasure to see Tony Schiavone back on AEW television and to see him as commentator. I nearly went uh, Jim Cornette, and then I thought maybe that wouldn't have the right uh, connotation to it. Uh, so I think there's only one man. It's a guy, there's not many wrestling announcers now. I mean, credit to Michael Cole for the past few years to kind of take that gravitas on with kind of big moments. But I think this year is a guy who is a great commentator, and that is Nigel McGuinness. I've, I too have got Nigel, just because of what he brings and the kind of experience that he's got. And I think that's a part of it, why we're going to do the kind of superstar profile as well early in the year, just to show what Nigel McGuinness is all about, and not just great as a commentator on NXT or NXT UK or anything else he's given, but just as a man as well. All right, Daz, what about referee of the year? Well, James, I didn't jump on the bandwagon last year, unlike you. But she is a wrestler that has certainly grown on me, and uh, she's a referee that has grown on me, and that is oh no, it's not, it's Jess Carr, um, you know, and she's finally and really well and truly deservedly been called up to the main roster as well to referee matches on Raw and or SmackDown. Um, the speech she gave when she had kind of been given that promotion was absolutely brilliant as well. <clears throat> so yeah, thoroughly deserved. Well, you say that, I think, you know, Jessica, yeah, she had a banner year, but I think there's one woman that's is done better than her, and my referee of the year is Aubrey Edwards, because she has refereed 
an AEW championship match, the very first ever AEW title match. She refereed three she was in. And the thing I like about AEW a bit more than WWE and NXT with it is they're not harping on about we've got a female referee that we put in our, you know, matches. They just get on with it. She's just there officiating. Like you said, same as, she's exactly the same as Shirt Stealer, exactly the same as anybody else in AEW. Whereas Jess Carr, they make a big deal of it to kind of say, oh, look at us now. And that's what, and I think personally, Aubrey Edwards is probably a better referee than Jess Carr at the moment when you talk about the stuff they do with accounts and if Jess Carr's good I think Edwards is better and that's why she's my pick for the year but what about most hated Dan? Um, Matt Riddle I don't want to talk about him he's a cunt no, um, he just absolutely fucking irritates me the mindless drones that follow him as well bro 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 he does a fucking bro time. He does a bros line. He does a fucking bro mission. He does a fucking bro five. He does a fucking bro this, bro that. I mean, come on. I'm not one for fucking having, you know, special names for every single one of your fucking moves. But every single one of them has got a bro something. Yeah. And, you know, his fucking stupid squinty fucking eye look and his fucking long stupid hair. His stupid fucking mushroom tattoo. His stupid flip-flop fucking flip every time he gets in the fucking ring. No, just fuck off, you twat. Yeah, I think i got to agree with you. Matt Riddle is the uh, the most hated this year for us. And I think, the and you know, it's very rare we both agree on one wrestler. And I think Matt Riddle this year is kind of taking it beyond. It's because he's not a bad wrestler, but it's just his personality and everything else that he does just great and even coming out you know with the flip-flops the bare feet is just annoying he's just a kind of stoner guy that doesn't go well with kind of what WWE is all about at this moment in time I don't think he's that likable even though the fans you know slow turn because the problem is it brings success if you're not successful then fans will turn on you as well and and this is the reason why our next episode is the year end predictions and of course you know it's a massive year for us because it's two years all we're going to find out who the the definitive winner of the predictions are on the WNR podcast there is a losing T-shirt that the loser has to wear. There's a T-shirt. It's looming. It is. It I don't is. know if anyone's ever seen Top Gear, but when they do like car challenges, like they buy cars uh, quite cheaply, and they've got to go, you know, go across Africa or go across China or something, and there's always a forfeit car that's always looming in the brand, and it just reminds me of that. Well, this is definitely the four feet T-shirt. The uh, bare feet T-shirt. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> It is the original bro Matt Riddle t-shirt. So the loser of the predictions will have to wear this t-shirt at the winner's beck and cork. And of course, we're not going to the O2. So it will be any time. I reckon every podcast that we do, and I reckon every time we go go see Wrestling Live, the original bro shirt will be worn. I mean, I don't like it, but you said you were quite a fan of it. So you're right with it then. I'm just glad it's not got his face on it. That is that would have just been worse, you know. Original bro, it's only got Matt Riddle in tiny letters. I know it's got his stupid fucking slogan on it, but I would rather wear that than my Enzo Amore one. What about you and your Benoit one? Which one would you rather wear? I don't mind my Benoit one. <laughs> uh, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, so everyone else has got yeah, a problem exactly. with it. Yeah, exactly. I'm not really. I'm not okay with it. Uh, I wouldn't want to wear this one. I mean, I've tried. You know, we tried to get the best one possible, but uh, I mean, we'll see. I I'm confident that I won't be having to wear it. So you'll be having to deal with that. But like I say, we never know. Predictions are so close, and especially after what happened at TLC, Dan, you know? Indeed, yeah. Well, I mean, fuck, who would have thought that would have I happened? Mean, that was just absolutely fucking I just, crazy. I, honestly, like, no idea. Okay, so up next, 
internet darling, who is the most, uh, well, I think the award speaks for itself. Who, who's the most live Twitter at the moment? Um, well, I've, there's, you know. there's two for me. Um, one of them, it's not just specifically Twitter. It's across the internet. And that is Joey Ryan. I've shown a lot of people because, you know, as, as it is, it's common knowledge that we've been to see Joey Ryan yeah. live. Who would have met thought... the man, the myth, the penis, and James, I can't believe you even got away with that. Do you know that? I need it there. Oh, you know? Is, <laughs> it's like... That is just... Wow. And everyone's like, who's Joey Ryan? I was like, well, let me just show you this yeah. video. And it's, you know, a picture of Joey Ryan flipping someone off using his cock. And they're like, <laughs> well, what's all that about? I was like, no, it's just... it's. I mean, he's he's got the penis power. Yes, um, and my other one, again, it's not confined to Twitter. It is R-Truth and his 24-7 title antics. I mean, you know, pinning uh, Jinder Mahal on a airport tarmac or going to a golf course or getting or pinning someone on an aeroplane or, you know, and it's... And the videos, they got so many views on uh, yeah, YouTube right, as well. Yeah. It, was, it was just something that kind of... It brought entertainment to a title that we thought couldn't be entertaining. I mean, it's kind of died down for a bit now. You know, they get their sporadic appearances throughout, you know, the occasional match or, you know, the little segments on Raw or SmackDown. But the videos that accompanied it, I think they was absolute gold. Yeah, without doubt, I think yeah, what we've seen on there is great. My one is just... This is someone... This is a guy who can post anything on Twitter and people will love it, basically. And it just proves he's kind of popular here. My internet darling this year is Kevin Owens. Because it seems Kevin Owens can do no wrong. He can tweet out, I'm going to go see the family and, you know, we're going to spend it and watch, you know, with my kids. And oh, everybody... he's so sweet. I know, yeah. He can say he's going to kick someone's up. There is not many guys who could use the stunner as a finisher and get away with it. And that shows Kevin Owens' popularity, irregardless of in just, you know, WWE people to be able to... The stunner's a cool move. But to be able, Owens to be able to pull that off. And like I said, if you go to his Twitter feed, he literally can post anything and people are just so positive about it. That's not a problem, without a doubt. And Owens is doing it well at this moment in time. And again, it's someone that, you talk about how good a heel Owens was, it's a surprise how good a face he is. Well, and that just shows Absolutely, his character, yeah. you know. And it is coming off with Twitter, you know, anything on Twitter there. Okay, a really important award. We introduced this last year. So it's a Lifetime Achievement Award. Who goes into the WNR Hall of Fame? There's two people in there. Dan, your choice last year? It was um, mine as, of course, a legendary character in WWE and WCW, Mean Gene Oakland. And mine was Alex Wright's penis. Um, with Alex Wright along for the ride. Okay, Dan, so who's the third person to go into the WNR Hall of Fame? Mine is the first actual wrestler and not wrestler's appendage. Eddie Guerrero. Oh. Fuck off on Eddie Guerrero. I mean, you know, going back, because we've spent quite a bit of time watching him, you know, 20 years ago, and just the amazing wrestler he was and ahead of his time with everything he'd done. Um, uh, you know, his might work, absolutely brilliant. And, you know, his wrestling was absolutely perfect and top rate all the way through. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Eddie Guerrero... Is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, and to go into the Hall of Fame, the first, uh, well, no offense to Alex Wright, but like I said, the first proper legend to go into the Hall of Fame, and Eddie Guerrero, without a shadow of a doubt. My pick is a is is a serious one this year as well, because I thought it would accompany Mean Gene Oakland really well. Uh, 
And this is a guy who's wrapped out. You do a list of great amount of time. He's probably top on the list. You do a list of top announcers of all time. He's top on the list as well. He's a guy who had chemistry with people like Gorilla Monsoon, people like um, Tony Schiavone in, in WCW, people you know like Mean Gene Oakland as well. Uh, and that is Bobby the Brain Heenan. Now, I've got so much to say about Bobby Heenan that I'll try and cut it down as much as I can. I just want to tell you one story about this. Uh, and that is WrestleMania 3. Now, I'm going to be as quick as I can. And the story is basically of Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan. And everybody knew this was going to happen. It was going to be a big match. But Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan were the two biggest faces of the company. And what made them turn against each other? What was the one person that made it happen? That is Bobby Heenan. He sided with Andre and people just said to him, Okay, Andre's the bad guy. He's the biggest bad guy on the planet. Andre the Giant didn't speak hardly a word of English. So leading up to the event, it was all Bobby Heenan who was doing the interviews alongside Hulk Hogan to draw people in the building. They say he got the biggest WrestleMania payment of a non-wrestler ever for that one night, which set him up. And Bobby Heenan basically drew... There was, they say there's 93,000 people, but Bobby Heenan basically drew the people into that crowd. So want to see Hogan versus Andre... It it was a masterful. We talk about Paul Heyman as man of the year. Heenan had this ability to get people and to to just hate him and dislike him, and not just a once over. There's people that we hate that you get beaten up once, and okay, I forget about him now. With Heenan, he had the ability throughout his whole career to draw people in week in week out to see him dress up as a weasel and get beaten in and out, and that kind of shows you the talent of just the consistency that Heenan put. Well, the talent of him, it also extends to, I think, at one time he had like about five or six wrestlers he was yeah. managing in the same promotion. I mean, you know, it's it's quite uncommon for nowadays to have managers. I think there's about two, three, maybe four managers throughout in wrestling. It's, you know, it's it's not a common thing. You know, most wrestlers learn to speak for himself, but Bobby the Brain Heenan was absolutely brilliant on the mic, and he could make you absolutely hate him, which... Yeah. Is you know, it's not a Matt Riddle type hate. It is a hate because he's a hill. Yeah, you love to hate. And uh, just for my WrestleMania five, talk about the Heenan family. He he went. He had five different matches on that one, and that's how important it was to the entire card as well. And let's not forget about his great calls as well. You know, like when Shawn Michaels put Marty Jannetty through the window, and he said Marty Jannetty did it himself. You know, these types of things. That is why Bobby Heenan is there uh, in the Hall of Fame. All right, Dan, so we're going to get on to the kind of big awards coming up soon. But up next, this is a good one. Better off last year. Who was your better off last year? Eric Young. Eric Young. Eric Young. Eric Young. Are you going to say Eric Young? Yeah. Oh, Who? Eric Young. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, he was uh, part of Sanity. They'd all moved up. And now if you look at the former Sanity members, Killian Dane doing well in NXT. You've got Nikki Cross doing well on the main roster. You've got um, Alexander Wolfe, part of Imperium, doing well on NXT UK. They're all doing well. And poor Eric Young, the leader of Sanity, is just kind of wrestling against Mojo Rawley and getting beaten backstage in segments on the main roster. I mean, you know, he has been dealt. Yeah, I think Eric man. Young would be better off fucking two years ago. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's not been great. EC3 is a guy that could be easily on here, on this list of better off last year. But then again, last year wasn't great. It wasn't great for him even now. One man who I think has had a disastrous end of year, uh, thanks to Vince McMahon apparently not liking him, that one, better off last year, Cedric Alexander. Cedric Alexander, of course, Cruiserweight champion, known as the kind of heart of the Division 205 Live, great series of matches with uh, Ali. 
but then jumping across to Raw and becoming so hot that you actually thought, you know, feuding with AJ Styles and the McMahon saying, wait a minute, nah, I want to job you out. I'm, I'm not interested in this. Cedric now has got a long road to hold because you can't go back to 205 Live because that's gone now, basically. Come on, let's, 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 be, let's be reasonable about it. The Cruiserweight title, I think, is a little bit beneath Cedric at this moment in time. And if he's not going to be a mid-card, what is he going to be? So Cedric, for him, he's better off last year. It, it, uh, and Eric Young as well. Uh, what about overrated, then? Overrated, again, it kind of ties in with my most hated, and that is Matt Riddle. I mean, fans love him, a lot of people love him, but I I just don't. I, I just think he's overrated, and everyone thinks he's the next best thing since sliced bread. He's kind of trying to get himself into feuds with the likes of Goldberg. You know, you can see there's going to be a, an impending feud with Funpoint as well. Um, and it's just like, no, mate, you, you just, no. I think he's a good wrestler, though. And I and I think people don't say he's, like, the best out there, you know? And I think, for me, for overrated, it's got to be someone who, who calls themselves the best or says how good they are and then just doesn't back up in the ring. So that's why my overrated for this year is none other than Seth frickin' Rollins. This is a guy who has said that he is the kind of standard bearer in WWE. Now, can you tell me the last time, not a five-star match, but the last great Seth Rollins match that we've had? Do you know what I mean? One-on-one with a guy of, like, you know, a, a, a talent. Brock Lesnar matches aside, you know, I know he's been dealt that hand. But matches against Braun Strowman and stuff. This is, you know, a young Shawn Michaels would be bumping around and getting them, getting them out of them. You know, we, we talk about great wrestlers. Um, Seth Rollins is someone who, no, I don't know if the title reign soured him. He says he's great, but it's it's difficult because for me, I don't see him as the kind of the best wrestler. You know, we talk about best oh, wrestlers no, this year. No, Maybe last year when he was in the kind of champion, he was given matches. But this year, I don't think there's been a couple of moments where I thought to myself, oh, yeah, he's I the think, guy. I think like, kind of like the spotlight of being a WWE standard bearer has gone to his head. And he thinks, well, because Vince McMahon likes him, he's he is that good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like you know, Vince McMahon liked the fucking Roman Reigns getting fed dog food sketch. So you know, it's kind of tells you everything about what Vince McMahon thinks. Yeah. But I think the thing for me, I can remember, you know, Roderick Strong versus Matt Riddle match being quite good this year. With Rollins, you know, it's like, what, the the Fiend versus Seth Rollins and LaSalle. Talk about holy shit bad. Probably one of the worst matches this year. And, you know, and he blamed afterwards. He said, oh, the red light doesn't make me perform well. There, there is no excuses if you're meant to be that good. And if yeah. Seth Rollins is having to go at Will Ospreay online, we know how good Will Ospreay is. Rollins has got to kind of back it up in that way. Absolutely, yeah. Um, up next, we've got Tweet. Tweet, tweet. Tweet, 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 tweet. I mean, there is a lot to choose from because... A lot of wrestlers are very active on Twitter and, you know, there are there are some very comical exchanges, uh, some of which we've spoken about on the podcast. But for me, is the exchange between Batista and Dana Brooke. How they've kind of, they was flirting in front of, you know, they must have, you know, a, a few hundred thousand Followers on Twitter apiece, you know, I think Batista's probably up in the millions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, just uh, openness and flirting between the two of them, you know, sending cheeky little pictures for the whole world to see. Eventually sliding in, in, into each other's uh, DMs, as, as as the youth do. Yeah. 
you know, I thought that was very entertaining and it was a good, you know, it was a good thing. Right, I doubt, you know, and, and I think, you know, there's been a lot of serious stuff on Twitter this year with wrestlers kind of having to go at each other and stuff like this. But I'm going to focus on the positive as well. And uh, it's not a tweet per se. I mean, I could pick one out. It's Big E on Twitter. He's fucking awesome. I know he doesn't tweet as much as Who's he does. Mum was he tweeting? That was mum. the one that I was going <laughs> to... If I had to pick a tweet, when, when he started chatting up Becky Lynch's mum on Twitter, Mama that's, <laughs> that's my guy, you know. He's had a go at WWE about the way they've treated Kofi on Twitter, uh, about The Fiend as well. He is not afraid to, to say what he thinks. Uh, and I think he has kind of been... He's won Twitter this year for me. It has Big E, you know. All right, Dan, your favourite award of the year, maybe? Um... It is, yes. Uh, you know, we have, aside from the award for most punishment taken in a match, this is an only other... It's kind of dedicated to just one wrestler, and that is the man, the myth, the legend, Randy Orton, and that is RKO of the year. <clears throat> and mine was against Jax at the Royal Rumble. You know, it was my holy shit bad moment because that really annoyed me, but... You, you know, you could see it, however, how else everyone thought about it as well, because, you know, she got 619, she got super kicked by Dolph Ziggler, and then just out of nowhere, bang, Randy Orton hit her with an RKO, and the crowd absolutely fucking loved it as well. They lapped it up big yeah. time. Yeah, without a doubt, you know, it was a great moment, and Randy Orton, you know, talk about maybe not had the most successful year, but there's been a few moments, and my RKO of the year was come from SummerSlam with a feud with Kofi Kingston. Uh, when Kofi came flying off the top and Randy Orton just squatted him down to kick out. Ah. But the RKO was spectacular. I mean, I do love that when Is it... Is it a trouble in paradise? I do love it when Kofi flies. You know, or, or whenever a wrestler's fly, you know, we've seen it before with the top RKOs, the springboards and the stuff like this. When you get caught in it, it does look awesome. And I think that's why it's my RKO of the year. What about move of the year, then? Is it an RKO? Um... Any other year, it probably would be, James. But mine is Chumpa ending Cole for the War Games sell. I mean, it was, you know, they was both perched atop. There was a couple of tables set up below. And Chumpa just kind of hoisted Cole up onto his shoulders. And it's it's not just the move as well. It's the way he protected Cole while Cole was taking the move as well. You know, you can see Chumpa's body tensing up as he took, you know, trying to take all the brunt, he protected his neck perfectly, and you know, if it, that could have gone horribly mm. wrong, but it didn't, and it turned out absolutely beautifully. I was going to go for that, and then I thought, no, wait a minute, because I know Dan's going to go for that, because that probably is the moment, or the move. But mine was a little bit weird, but I, I'm going to try and explain it. Bear with him, ladies and Bear gentlemen. with me. It's Tyler Bate versus Walter for the UK title, right? But it's every move that Tyler Bate does. Okay, so I try to explain. So it's like when he's trying to get slammed, he's like holding on to Walter to stop himself getting slammed. You know, showing his strength and what he's got. When he's flying around, he can do the suicide dive. He can do the kind of phoenix splash off the top if he wants to. You know, there's that type of moves. The power moves that he can do with the kind of the, the clothesline, which I love anyway, and then the kind of press slams. Bate worked that match 
probably as good as anybody has in years. It was kind of Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels kind of level of bait in that one match. And everything that he was doing was just clicking. Uh, and, you know, if you take one move, maybe the, the, the outside dive to the water or even picking him up on his fucking shoulders in a torture rack and slamming him down in that way, a guy who weighs, you know, 150 pounds more than him. It was just a thing of, of beauty to see it, to see this guy kind of move. And it was like, if I was going to be a wrestler, if I was going to have a move set, I would have every move that he has, you know? Um, I'd like to put an honourable mention out to, um, I think it was at a live show. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, it might have been on Raw or SmackDown. But it's the brief exchange between Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton as well. Yeah, that was on Raw. Yeah, that yeah, was, yeah, that was absolutely brilliant. There was a, a brief chopping exchange. I think Drew McIntyre said you've had like sixty-seven different titles, or you know, probably yeah. a more a higher number. And you know, he was chopping Randy Orton, and you know that was because you know for me it is like my top man going against James's top man, and the fact that my top man outsmarted yours with a simple poke to the eye. Yeah, you know something that yes. he learned from the Nature Boy. Yeah, the dirtiest player. In the game. Well, up next, we talk about future and one to watch for the future, Dan. Who's your one to watch in 2020? Well, he was the most improved this year. And he's my one to watch next year. And that is Keith Lee. Um, You know, apparently Vince McMahon was absolutely impressed by his performance over the Survivor Series weekend. Ron is probably one of the first calls Vince has probably actually got right. But again, you know, he's someone that's grown on me throughout the year. And if he keeps growing on me, you know, next year is going to be absolutely fucking phenomenal. It's going to be limitless yeah. for Keith Lee. I, I think without a doubt, you know, when you when you think about Keith Lee, he was one that I was might have put down. And then I thought, no, because, yeah, he's going to have an awesome year. You know, hopefully in NXT and a move up to main roster. I mean, it's a man season as a kind of like a, a big hill on Raw Smackdown as well. Which I think my one, and it's a little outside the box, but I think my one to watch this year is none other than Alistair Black. Now, Ali B has had a hard shake of things, and we know tag teams, when they come up to the main roster, don't usually last. Alistair Black's been really unlucky, not with just injuries and stuff like this, but being on SmackDown and having that whole gimmick of oh, who knocks on the door and who answers and stuff, and maybe having only one match with Cesaro like he did. Coming over to Raw, and you know now we're getting kind of getting a feud that he's got coming up with uh, Buddy Murphy, which should deliver. I think Black is one of these guys who comfortably could hold the Intercontinental United States Championship as a heel or a face, and could definitely be you know going towards the main event as well, depending on how they do it. The Black Mask kicks, kick is kind of a really cool move as well. I think there's a lot of potential if they decide to get behind Addy B. There's no doubt he'll definitely be one to watch in 2020. Absolutely, yeah. You know, I can't not agree with that. But I'm going to be watching one of my guys. All right, Dan. So underrated. Who's underrated in 2019? Underrated in 2019, I think Lorcan and Birch. I mean, you know, with with what they had, you know, you thought the future could have been anything for them. They are super over with the fans. Absolutely brilliant workers as well, working well together. And then you get Lorcan, uh, only Lorcan wanting to... Uh, you know, he was kind of in limbo about whether he'd be leaving WWE. Presumably over the treatment that he's he's received, you know, and the way that they've been done. And I think, you know, they deserve a lot better than that. You know, even move, moving up to the main roster, definitely title contenders in my books. Well, only Lorcan signed a new contract now, so let's hope there's uh, 
there's hope for Lorcan and Birch on, on either the main roster or NXT. And I think they're underrated. I think, you know, one of my... Look, all right, you're going to have a go at me for this one, but the underrated guy this year has been Buddy Murphy. <laughs> He's been the best-kept secret on SmackDown, on Raw, on 205 Live. His series, you know, putting him in the ring with Daniel Bryan or Roman Reigns, he shows you exactly what he can do. Putting him in the ring with Alistair Black, you're going to tell me it's not going to be a good match. It's going to be a great match. It, well, yeah, you know, I'm not going to deny he managed to pull out a very good uh, match against Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns, Mustafa Ali, Cedric Alexander, everybody that Murphy goes up against, he has a good match. Yeah, he might need to work on his selling a little bit, but, you know, he's growing as he gets. He's a guy that you could put in. We talk about, you know, Seth Rollins or anybody else. Put Murphy into a match, you know it's going to be good. Uh, and that's why he's so underrated for, because he deserves a bit of direction. You know, he deserves a feud. He deserves a kind of run. You talk about United States winning the Continental title, I think Murphy would perfectly suit But I that. see Murphy as someone who is in his entire career, unless it's a Kofi Kingston moment, is never going to reach the top title. But you, you need to be given a chance to run. Yeah, I know he, he needs to be given a chance, but I don't think he's ever someone that's going to be able to get, you know, yeah, no, comfortably into the Continental, you know, uh, team up with someone, tag team titles. Yeah, but I don't think he's ever going to get all the way to the top. All right, up next, we'll do entrance of the year, Dan. Who's your entrance of 2019? Um, Mine has to be The Fiend. You know, when he comes out with a Bray Wyatt head, uh, you know, with a mouth stitched up with a light glowing from it. And, you know, he's it's the similar Bray Wyatt entrance, but it's, you know, he's kind of changed up his steam tune. He's given it a bit more jazzy and it's a bit more darker. The only thing that I don't like about it is... You know, just after the entrance when the red light shines. Yeah, that is fucking awful. It's a really cool entrance, though. Mine is due to the pop it got, and that is Kevin Owens at NXT TakeOver when he came out of War Games. <laughs> no one knew who the mystery opponent would be. Music hit. Fucking everybody went crazy. That is an entrance. That is what it is all about. And Owens coming out and eventually hitting the stun. It didn't matter what he fucking hit during the match because it was that moment right there. So I think two really good entrances of the year. All right, up next, women of the... So we'll do a woman and a male rest of the year and then I guess we'll have a definitive superstar of the year as well. I think that would be fair to say. So who's your woman of the year to begin with? EO. Now, you've absolutely raved about her. I've, you know, we've, we've watched her quite closely and she is very impressive in what she does, you know, and her, her heel turn, I think that's kind of revived a character that was getting a bit I don't know, it was a bit misdirected because Kari Sane had been moved up to the main roster. She's now teaming up with Oscar as part of the Bukaki Warriors. Fair enough, you know, good on her. But Io Shirai, she was kind of a bit misdirected. Give her the heel turn, give her, you know, give her a dark outfit. And, you know, her work rate never falters. Yeah, I mean, she seems so comfortable either working a face or her, even more so as a heel, which is crazy. And like I said, there was so much untapped potential for her. Uh, but to be, you know, the rest of the year, uh, the women's rest of the year, I think fair play. For me, I've got to go with my most improved as well. I got for my women's rest of the year is Becky Lynch. She's held the title since WrestleMania, and people aren't questioning yet when she's going to drop it. She could hold it conceivably for another year, and people wouldn't mind. That's her popularity. Yes, her popularity maybe waned a little bit, 
but she's consistent. She, like I said, the ratings are the biggest for her. She's a big merchandise seller, and she's really improved in the ring this year as well. So that's why Becky Lynch is my women's wrestler of the year. All right, Dan, what about your male wrestler year? And then we'll do superstar wrestler uh, a little bit after we do pay-per-view match. Well, it is going to come to a surprise of everyone who's ever heard any of the podcasts we've ever done. And my wrestler of the year is someone I absolutely hate, <laughs> but you can't falter the matches he delivers, and that is Adam Cole, baby. I can't believe you've got Adam Cole I mean, of the year. You know, he every single match he's done, he has managed to deliver in it. Yeah, and you know, you can't take that away from. I hate the person he is, not the wrestler he is. And again, you know, someone who had or who also had a very good. Survivor Series weekend, you know, every single NXT pay-per-view, you know, he's had great matches against uh, Chomper, he's had great matches against uh, Johnny Gagano, even a very, very good match against Ricochet. Um, and, you know, you just can't fault his work rate in the ring. And, and I have to 100% agree with it because my male wrestler of the year is Adam Cole as well. Like I said, that uh, Survivor Series weekend... We wrestled Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. Was a phenomenal performance for someone who was injured as well, going through it, had a cold, and then picked up the injuries throughout the whole fucking weekend and still continues. The series of matches with Gagano, the three, three matches with Gagano, are, are, are something kind of legend that they'll be on now. Adam Cole's been a consistent guy on NXT, and he's knocked out the park each time. Very rarely is there a guy who has, you know, proved so much, especially someone like Dan who hated Adam Cole, who's turned it round now and just delivered the matches. So, that, you know, Dan's got no other choice. I've got no other choice than to kind of bow down. And all the people that said Adam Cole, he's not the next Shawn Michaels, but he is the first Adam Cole, and he is the male uh, wrestler. Of the year. Absolutely, uh, yeah, you can't disagree uh, with that. All right, okay, so we've got three more wars first, but I just want to stop quickly. A couple of bits of news story. Have you seen Fighting with My Family? Yes. Okay, what did you think of it? I thought it was good. Yeah, it was all right, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't a terrible film, but it was It was a good film. You know, yeah. it was obviously based on the story of Paige and her family and kind of, you know, the, the dynamics with her brother as well, you know, how Paige made it, her brother didn't quite, and... You know, how Paige didn't quite fit in with the other wrestlers because she was a gothic type look and all the others were bond, blonde, busty and so on and so forth. But, yeah, you know, it was it's a real good, feel good story. Yeah, Vince Vaughn's good in it, you know, for what he does uh, as a trainer, Nick doesn't he? Uh, Nick Frost is brilliant as a dad. He's, he's cracking. The Rock's cameo. The Rock's cameo's good in it. Uh, yeah, I saw it recently. I, I quite enjoyed it. But an interesting new bit of news story come up because you talk about the brother never made it. The brother is called... Um, I can't remember his name right now. But he is... No, no, as in the the actor, the actor, oh, sorry, right? Yeah. So the actor, I think Jack Lowe, right? He the actor in it, and he kind of looks, you know, he doesn't look that great. He is the favourite to play James Bond, the next James Bond. Now, the brother of Paige fighting my family, yeah. And I love James Bond, and I couldn't believe it when I saw him, and I thought, oh, that is the same guy that was fighting my family. So there could be a connection between WWE and James Bond, which I thought was well, weird. has been Inspector. He has been Inspector, but like a guy who you wouldn't... Paige's brother could be the next James Bond. Crazy. But not her proper brother. Not a proper brother. The actor played a brother in the film. Okay, and the other thing I want to say is um, Tito Ortiz versus Alberto Del Rio. I stayed up until 5 o'clock in the morning to watch that. 
um, at the Mexican fucking MMA show. What an embarrassment. Well, I just want to say that Tito Ortiz had his title on the line. Alberto Del Rio had a WWE title on the line. I mean, he'd, he was a, he had a brief, very brief run with the WWE title. It, look, it, it, it was it, it was wasn't a memorable one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know he's obviously kept a WWE title as a memento, and he actually lost that to Tito Ortiz. Uh, he didn't just lose it; it was an embarrassment. He tried a couple <laughs> of punches to begin with, and then Ortiz cut the punches. Del Rio gave his back up, which you should never do, and Ortiz easily tapped him out. It was in Mexico, and Tito Ortiz had Trump 2020 banners as well, which was quite funny. The Mexican announcers were not happy about this and said, even though Tito Ortiz won the fight, they're still not going to build the wall. Donald Trump's obviously got his uh, own problems anyway. And like I said, Tito Ortiz won. It's an embarrassment for Del Rio. If he wants to go back to W or wherever it is, you know, fine. But I've got an idea. MMA fight. Alberto Del Rio, CM Punk. Let's have the match. A rematch from Survivor Series 2011. Let's have the match everybody wants to see in uh, an MMA fight between the two. I just There was two news stories that I just thought very weird the past couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, I have been very weird, yeah. All right, so let's finish off the WNR Awards, the fifth annual. We've got three awards left. We've got the three biggest ones, you could say. We've got match pay-per-view and of course superstar but we keep track of ratings we do it every single year we've got our pay-per-view ratings for 2019 uh we haven't our match grade is just match of the night so we'll start off our first pay-per-view nxt uk blackpool i gave it an eight and a half out of ten and my match of the night was mustache mountain versus grizzled young vets um, mine was exactly the same as yours. Eight and a half, Mustache Mountain versus GYV. Then we had NXT TakeOver Phoenix. I gave that a nine, and that was Ricochet versus Garner was my match of the night. Uh, I too gave it a nine, and again, my match was Ricochet versus Johnny Gargano. You've got to stop copying me. The Royal Rumble, eight and a half out of ten. The Women's Rumble match was my favourite. I'm not going to copy you this time. I gave it an 8.25, and I am copying you on the women's Rumble match. That was my favourite as well. Well, the Chamber, 8 for me. And, oh, well, we both went for the men's Chamber, and we both went for 8 for that one. Um, at Fast Lane, I went for the Raw Tag Title match, and I gave it an 8.5. Yeah, I gave it an 8.5, but I thought the US title match between Bobby Roode and Randy Orton was the match of the night. <laughs> Uh, NXT New York, uh, I gave that a nine and a half, and my match of the night was Cole versus Gargano. Yeah, Cole versus Gargano was my match tonight, but it was a 9.25 rating. Uh, Mania 35, an eight out of ten, and my match of the night was Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan. Yeah, Kofi Kingston Bryan was the match of the night for that one. I gave that a nine. It was actually a really good WrestleMania. And then Money in the Bank, I gave it an eight and a half, and the men's Money in the Bank was my favourite match. Uh, my match of the night two was men's money in the bank I gave that a nine out of ten take over 25 is an eight and a half and uh, Cole versus Gagano was my match of the night Cole versus Gagano was also my match of the night and it was an 8.75 shitty super showdown Uh, it was a seven for me Triple H versus Orton match of the night so that's the second time you've given Orton a match of the night you've not given Drew McIntyre any well yeah alright Triple H versus Orton was my match of the night and I gave it a seven and a quarter what was Stomping Grounds? Go on. Uh, stomping Grounds, I gave that a 7.75. Uh, Ricochet versus Joe for the US title. Well, it was actually... Uh, the match of the night was New Day versus Sami Zayn, and that was a 7.5. Um, Extreme Rules was next. Braun versus Lashley uh, was my match of the night, and I gave that an 8. 
Braun versus mine was Taker versus Reigns. Taker, Taker and, and Reigns. Taker and Reigns teaming up, of course. Who can forget that match uh, against Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre? Uh, I gave that an eight, and then Takeover Toronto a nine point two five rating with Cole versus Gargano as the uh, my match of the night. I too gave that a nine point two five rating, and Cole versus Gargano was my match. Brock versus Seth was both our matches of the night for SummerSlam. Mine was an eight point seven five rating. Mine was an eight point two five. Fucking hell! And then NXT Takeover Cardiff a nine point seven five rating. Walter versus Bate was my match of the night. Uh, Walter versus Bate was my match of the night too. I gave that a nine and a half. Clash of Champions eight point seven five. Braun versus Rollins my match of the night. Um, Banks versus Lynch was my match of the night, and I gave it an eight and a half. And then Helena Cell Banks v Lynch and Helena Cell was my match of the night. Uh, Banks versus Lynch was my match of the night as well, and I also gave it a seven and a half. And then Crown Jewels another seven and a half, and it was uh, Braun Strowman versus Fury my match of the night. Yep, same all all across the board with me. Braun versus Fury. And uh, I gave that an 8.25. And then AEW Full Gear, the very first AEW paper you watched no, on the podcast. seven and a half. Yeah, you got seven and a half. AEW Full Gear, the very first podcast, that uh, podcast, pay-per-view, AEW paper you watched. I gave that a nine out of ten, and Mox versus Omega was my match of the night. Uh, Rio versus Sakura was an absolutely brilliant match for me, my match of the night, and I gave that an 8.25. And NXT War Games, uh, 8.75. The Women's War Games match is my main event. That was the best match of the night. Uh, my match of the night was the Women's War Games 2, and I gave that a 9. And then Survivor Series 2019 was an 8.25. The Men's Elimination match my match of the night. Uh, Cole versus Dunn was my match of the night. Again, you know, my man of the year just keeps delivering. <laughs> he does, he does. And, uh, and I gave that an eight and a quarter. And of course, TLC, uh, um, my match of the night was Alistair Black versus Buddy Murphy. And my rating was seven and three quarters out of ten. Um, my match for uh, match of the night for TLC was two Ali B versus uh, Buddy Murphy. And I gave that a seven and a half out of ten. So, out of all them, then, I think people might have worked out at home exactly what it was. But, uh, I mean, with matches, all those matches, which one of them that you can see kind of strikes out at you? Do you remember just looking at them? Do you know what I mean? Um, Volta versus Bate sticks out. Uh, the Cole versus Gagano matches. Um, there's a few that kind of stick out. It's going to be difficult, isn't it? It's going to be difficult. But I think on my rating alone, I think there's one paper I gave more than anything else. That was 9.752. And that is TakeOver Cardiff. NXT TakeOver UK Cardiff. That is my pay-per-view of the year. Of course, we had Water versus Bait. We had um, we had the uh, Flash Morgan Webster and going up against uh, Grizzled Young Vets. We had a lot of stuff on that card that was absolutely brilliant. Dan, what about your pay-per-view of the year? Uh, my pay-per-view of the year was an NXT New York. I gave that a 9.5. Um, it was a stacked card. You know, again, it's uh, Cole versus Gagano was like the standout match of it. Uh, we had Candice LeRae going against... No, we had the War Raiders versus Black O'Shea. We had Velveteen Dream versus Riddle. Walter defeating Pete Dunn for the United Kingdom Championship. I mean, ending his monstrous reign with that. Um, and, you know, of course, Shayna Baszler defeating Io Shirai, Belair and Kari Sane in a fatal four-way match for the Women's Championship yeah. as well. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was a great pay-per-view. But, I mean, 
Oh, was better just because of that one performance. I mean, you know, and it's going to bleed into the match of the year because the pay-per-view of the year, of course, Cardiff, for me, the match of the year was Walter versus Bate. It was just titanic storytelling from both men. A 50-minute match that kind of flew by. I re-watched it recently, and it flew by yet again. The stuff that each man was doing to each other, offensively and defensively, is something to behold. You know, the closing segments in that, the fans just completely behind Tyler Bate. And the way he kind of dived over the cross uh, and was using the kind of high-risk moves, even Walter realised after a while it was so difficult to kind of put Tyler Bate down. It was just the kind of perfect match. And for me, it stands... I look at all these matches, it stands out head and shoulders kind of above the rest. So that's why it's my match of the year. Dan, what is your match of the year? Um, my match of the year, from my pay-per-view of the year, is Cole versus Gagano. Two out of three falls. I mean, you know, Johnny Gagano, his sets with uh, Tommaso Ciampa, you know, they kind of, they were my matches of the year last year. Uh, Johnny Gagano again features in it alongside my man of the year, Adam Cole. Um, you know, they had a few sets of matches throughout the year at, um, you know, NXT New York. They had uh, TakeOver Toronto uh, and TakeOver 25 as well. And, you know, it was hard to choose one of them, so... I just had to go back and choose, you know, the match that kind of started it all between them two. Yeah, I think without a doubt, you know, when you when you look at those those trilogy of matches are fucking awesome, and it's difficult to pick apart which one was as good. But I, I think Cole Gagano's there just shows you. Is it disappointing or is it not surprising that we've not really talked about the main roster when it comes to matches and pay-per-views? It's been either UK or NXT TakeOvers that have taken it. I, I don't think it's it's surprising at all. You know, my wrestler of the year, Adam Cole from NXT. My woman of the year, Io Shirai from NXT. Underrated, Lorcan and Birch, NXT. Keith Lee, NXT. Even my most hated and overrated is Matt Riddle from NXT. Do you think we will actually see a five-star singles match in WWE now with NXT and NXT UK? We always talk about, you know, we talk about Styles Nakamura or, you know, people like this going against each other. It's never truly delivered, has it, you know? It hasn't, no. Um, and again, you know, we see our best matches at NXT TakeOver events and then you've got a WWE that has to try and follow that that doesn't quite live up to you know, the expectations. So I think therein lies the problem. If it was on a separate weekend, you know, I know like the WrestleMania weekend's a huge event. Um, but, you know, it's, it is really impossible for WWE to follow in an NXT pay-per-view. And, that, and that's what it seems like. So maybe they have a chance at the Royal Rumble. But it'll be difficult. But like I say, NXT has kind of pissed us this year. One final award. So it is Superstar of the Year, male, female combined. Dan, who is your Superstar of the Year? I think my Superstar of the Year, I'll give you time to think. I think my one is without doubt Becky Lynch. I think Lynch comes out on top for Superstar. When you buy the merchandise sold, when you look about everything that kind of she has done this year, I think Becky Lynch is the man, you know, when it comes to WWE. The amount of pay-per-views she's headlined this year, when you compare to, you know, how many pay-per-views have women headlined? How, how many, many pay-per-views have women main invented? Not that many, you know? A handful. A handful. Becky Lynch, when you look at them, has probably been in all of them bar maybe one or two. You know, last year against Ronda Rousey, she wasn't a survivor because she got injured. But since then, she has delivered. She made Seth Rollins, the Universal Champion, look secondary compared to what Becky Lynch was doing. So I think that's why Becky Lynch is my superstar of the year. I would have to agree with you on that one.
you know, I think Becky Lynch, she's uh, she's not faltered since becoming, you know, since kind of announcing herself as the man. It was in around Survivor Series last year. And she kind of made her stamp and she has gone and rolled with it. You know, as you say, Wrestle, WrestleMania main event. Came in the Royal Rumble, won that. You know, and she's had the highest rated segments. You know, even when she was on NXT, that's the kind of like part that, Blew over a uh, AEW as well. Mm-hmm. You know? well. Yeah, exactly. That helped them out when she she came over. Yeah. They finally won the ratings war. You know, yeah. Um, again, you know, with these with these awards, are you surprised that the only mention that AEW has got for Johnny Gargano most punishment, and that was for me? You know, Mox and Omega. There's been Aubrey Edwards got much. She, she was involved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it is bare minimum though. But do you think next year that's going to change and it'll be kind of split between? NXT UK, NXT, NXT UK, and AEW, or do you think it's still going to be WWE branded heavy? I hopefully it will change, and that's why we try to plan it next year. We might have a couple of NJPW guys. Will Osprey might be top of our list, depending on how really great matches that we see. And that's why we're opening it up now. We're opening up the field for anybody else. Uh, of course, we're still going to be W because they're kind of the biggest show in town. But we're still going to be bringing everything else that we've got. You know, like I say, a few of these people. You know, talk about rest of the year. Uh, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see what about next year. Uh, you know, someone like Pete Dunne who at this moment in time was, you know, rest of the year last year, and now is not even featured on the list. So would he have to be worried a little bit about that? It is, it is what it is. We're going to find out next year uh, about it, because that is the fifth annual W&R Awards. Are you happy with the awards this year? I am very happy with the awards, yeah. I think, you know, they're, they're well-deserved awards, and uh, I think, you know, a lot of thought and effort went into these. You no, know, I it's not like I just sat down today and done them. No, I mean, what fucking idiot would do that, you know? But I'm glad, because we've had the presence... We've done the awards. Uh, it's it's time for dinner now, and we're going to watch the cream speech as we always do. But Dan, there is only just one thing left to do before the end of the year. And do you know what that is? No, no. I'm talking about next week. I'm oh, talking about have, the be all and end all. It is. Yeah, it's going to decide who wears the original ugly T-shirt, bro. You know the Matt Riddle T-shirt. It's been looming in the background for the latter part of this year. And it's, you know, it's been hanging over us like a very, very, very bad smell. And it is, you know, you are slightly ahead in predictions, but, you know, the year-end predictions is where it all comes to fruition. I can't remember hardly any of what I've gone for, that, you know, that who I've got as my champion for the end of the year, who I've got main event in the big four pay-per-views, anything. I can't remember a single thing. No. Well, like I said, there's only one thing to do, and that is a year end awards we have a free prediction leagues uh every year of course nxt WWE, and bonus points we add them all up and then we get the sealed envelope that we did at the end of last year which is our bonus uh, prediction or year-end predictions and basically for every single champion five moments to happen there are you know probably another 25 points on the line at when it comes to that points. there are so many points uh and we'll find out next week who wins who is the definitive champion of the WNR podcast. Is it me or is it Dan? We'll find out next week. But that's it for our Christmas picture. It's been a great Christmas, but I've really enjoyed Christmas this year in the cottage. Yep, yeah, I absolutely love cottaging and uh, getting stuffed alongside you, opening up uh, the big packages you've given me. No doubt. I mean, I love Christmas and I'm always in the Christmas spirit. And uh, this year has been extra special. But like we say, next year for the WNR podcast is going to be even bigger and better. But, you know, join us next week for the year-end shows. 
And again, you know, a huge shout out to all the listeners who kind of indulge in our live shows when we're droning on for a couple of hours playing Elephant or F1 or Basler or Dunn, you know. Just going on for our games, you know, they're our most successful pod live. But, you know, to everyone that catches up throughout the week and, you know, it's it's all down to you yeah. and, you know, listening to us and, oh, and James, of course, you know, the man who writes the script, the man who edits the podcast and posts it. I'll just turn up yeah. every day with my natural raw talent. Well, I'll tell you a little inside. AEW actually beat out... Um, the last couple of W pay-per-views on people listening as well. So it'd be interesting to see what happens in the new year. Are people finally sick of WWE and ready to try saying, Kelsey, we're going to be ready with you for that. But like I said, next week, our year end is going to be incredible. But don't forget, you can find us on the internet. We're on the internet. Just put, you know, go on the internet. Go we're to there. Google. Go Google. There are other search engines yeah, available. Bing. I mean, who uses Bing Altavista, anymore? Ask Jeeves. Exactly. Who bust out the Ask Jeeves and do that? No, across all social media, we're on Twitter, at the WWE Network Review, or... At Vince McDan, WWE. I'm at John Score Rollers. Across all the Google platforms, send us an email, the WNR Podcast, at gmail.com, or on Instagram, the WNR Podcast there, or on Facebook. Yes, Facebook. Come and find our page and give us a like. We are the WNR Podcast. Yay. Or you can come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. Yes, subscribe to our YouTube channel, the WNR Podcast. We've got latest clips on there, and maybe a bit of Joey Ryan dick flipping. And of course, podcasts got the same time on YouTube. We do other places like SoundCloud. On your phone those on Spreaker and we'll give you when we <laughs> come back in the new year we'll give you the schedule for the new year we're going to have a shit ton of live shows on Spreaker on Stitcher Radio and of course iTunes where you can download subscribe rate and review there but that is it a very Merry Christmas for everybody that listens to us to Double Up Podcast and throughout the year Merry Christmas everybody. we'll see you for the year end I have been James Rollins and as always always joined by Dan White thanks everybody Merry Christmas bye bye <laughs>